wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys? And welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio for November 8th, 2018. I am Graham Gius and Matthews coming off that atrocity that was Crown Jewel last Friday. We're talking all about that here on the show today. Before we get started, though, if you guys want to check out full-length episodes of WrestleRant Radio, subscribe on iTunes. Full-length episodes are also available on NextDayWrestling.net, but it's now easier than ever to check out the show on iTunes. Simply search up WrestleRant Radio on the Apple Podcast app, rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Um, now easier than ever to check out the show. You not only get new episodes every single Thursday, but every archived episode dating back to 2013. So check out every episode of Wrestle Rant Radio ever for your audio, um, ears, pleasure, whatever it might be. Wrestle Rant Radio, killing it in the remainder of 2018. I got a whole long line of guests in the um, slew of 2018 in the coming weeks. We got Jamie Lee Mack back on the show, coming after TLC. John Ritland's going to be here on the show to help me preview, I think, or the next couple of weeks we have some random show here on uh, WrestleRant Radio breaking down the world of WWE. We got Clark coming back to help me, I believe, do predictions for TLC. We got a lot going on, or rather do predictions or a review for Survivor Series in a few short weeks. We got a lot of great guests coming here on the show, including one returning one from just a few short weeks ago. She's back already. She couldn't stay away. The one and only, the glorious girlfriend of mine, Alexis DiGiacomo. Alexis, welcome back to WrestleRant Radio. Hi, how are you? Wonderful, as good as I possibly can be, coming off of Crown Jewel on Friday, which you watch with me on Friday afternoon, and I thought it was only fitting to have you here on the show to help me not so much break down, but rather rant and um, air our grievances on this abortion of an event. Do you agree? Exactly. It was total abortion. I even asked Absolutely needs to hear your two cents on Crown Jewel from last Friday. Um, this show was really an event for the ages, but for all the wrong reasons. And I would go so far as to say it was the worst pay-per-view so far of 2018. And not that that's much of a stretch, just because we've had a lot of missable pay-per-views this year in WWE, but coming off that awesome event that was Evolution on Sunday, a mere five days later, we're treated to this shit that is Crown Jewel. And the entire event, I don't care what anyone says, was a glorified, colossal waste of time. To call it even a glorified house show would be an insult to a house show, because this was way worse than anything that I have ever seen in WWE in many, many months, if not years. And we went to a house show. We went to a house show a few short weeks ago, Alexis and I, that we broke down here on WrestleRant Radio, that was better than anything we saw at Crown Jewel on Friday. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. So we'll be breaking down the show right here, right now. I'll give my two quick thoughts, two quick two cents, rather, on the uh, kickoff match that was for the United States Championship. Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev, we didn't watch it. It was on the kickoff show. 
Didn't even bother with it. We were too busy watching the 2018 Royal Rumble match, which, by the way, Alexis, did you like that Rumble match, the 2018 one that yours truly was in attendance for? I did. I enjoyed it. I've been watching the, the uh, more recent Rumble matches um, just because that pay-per-view is my favorite. I like the concept, so I enjoyed watching that. It's like, especially seeing NXT people, like just recently getting into NXT, like being able to be a part of that universe um as well as the the like main shows is kind of cool i agree i agree we'll soon start watching more royal rumbles as that pay-per-view quickly approaches in late january easily one of my favorite pay-per-views of the year but uh hopefully you can check out war games with us and help me break down that pay-per-view too and that airs next weekend depending on whether we're working on, on when we're working rather next weekend but nonetheless um crown jewel from last friday um, was way worse than any Royal Rumble pay-per-view I've seen in quite some time. Kicking out the actual show were the quarterfinals and the WWE World Cup, which was a joke to begin with. I mean, you yourself said, Alexis, that coming into the show, to truly determine the best in the world, how can you do so with A, only American talent, despite being a World Cup, quote-unquote yeah. World Cup, and then two, how can you determine the best in the world if it's only WWE superstars and not talent from other organizations from across the world? So you made a great point there. In the quarterfinals, we had Rey Mysterio, we had Randy Orton, The Miz versus Jeff Hardy, Seth Rollins versus Bobby Lashley, Ziggler over Kurt Angle, Mysterio, Miz, Rollins, Ziggler, all advanced. Some solid matches. The biggest problem with these matches, though, was that they were short on time. They were all cut short for time. They were not nearly as, nearly as long as they should be. When matches like the D-Generation X versus Brothers of Destruction match went a fucking half hour, those matches went five to seven minutes, which was a disappointment. Um, but they were all rel- they were all well wrestled for the most part. Everyone that I thought would go over did, with the exception of Kurt Angle, which was strange. Having him lose in fucking eight minutes to Dolph Ziggler was not exactly my idea of a grand in-ring return for the WWE Hall of Famer. But the quarterfinals were good. So any one of those matches, Alexis, stand out to you? Rey Mysterio versus Orton, Miz versus Hardy, Rollins versus Lashley, and Ziggler versus Angle? No, absolutely not. All the matches felt like of an excuse of a live show like it almost it almost felt like um like a diorama like they were giving us the illusion of oh this is a pay-per-view let's all enjoy this but like it's not really that like i don't know it was very very internally empty so not, nothing stood out to me except for the the shit that i hated the most were there any one of these outcomes that infuriated you to the most with uh, Rey Mysterio, Miz, Rollins, and Ziggler all advancing to the next round? Um, well, I would agree with you. Kurt Angle being humiliated by Dolph Ziggler is just so embarrassing. But I I don't know if I read somewhere. I was talking to you. I can't remember. But having these, these people like Jeff Hardy, um, Rey Mysterio, these other people lose earlier, Seth Rollins, I think that's better off because if they made it to the finals and then this shit was pulled with um, uh, Shane McMahon, I think it would have made me even more pissed off. Definitely. I think having Dolph Ziggler, he was the perfect person to take the loss to Shane, even though he's that's still a joke in and of itself to have Shane beat really anyone in the current roster in the, in the fashion in which he did. That was a joke in and of itself. But still, I mean, yeah, it would have been more infuriating if it was... Miz in there, or Rollins, or Ray Mysterio, or Jeff Hardy, or whoever. 
Um, would have been a joke nonetheless, but, um, I mean, it was, it was a joke anyway, but it would have been a bigger joke had it been someone else in that position, but, yeah, the quarterfinals were fine, I, the matches were really not given much of a chance to be as good as they could have been, um, I liked Miz and Hardy, I thought Rey Mysterio and Randy Orton had good matches, all those guys had good matches with each other, but, they were really not allowed to be as good as they could be because of the format of the show. This entire show had fucking 11 matches in the entire evening over the course of a four-hour show. So they really were not... I I totally do not remember that. What, the fact that it had 11 matches? No, I only remember the the long one with the retirement home men. Yeah, exactly, because that was the only match that was given any real length of time um, on this entire show. No match exceeded 13 minutes with the exception of Ziggler and Rollins, and then the main event. So those are the only matches that really had any length of time on the show, which is a mistake and a joke, but whatever. It is what it is. They really should have put the quarterfinals on Raw and SmackDown before they, you know, put them on this pay-per-view. Or at least get rid of some other matches. If you're going to do the paper, if you're going to do the tournament, then get rid of the SmackDown tag title match, get rid of, you know, AJ and Joe and some other matches, or even the main event, which was a fucking waste of time. But whatever, it is what it is. Uh, those matches were good. Then we had the SmackDown Tag Team titles defended with The Bar versus The New Day. The Bar went over, still the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Um, any real takeaways from this, Alexis? Now, that felt like a house show type thing where they defend the title, and it's like I totally did not even realize that that match was going to be in the pay-per-view, but they ended up retaining the title, so it's like, okay, what's the fucking point of this? What did I think they are watching that for? Yeah, I know they wanted to have the New Day invoke their Tag Team Championship rematch from SmackDown 1000, which is where they lost the tag titles. But yeah, it came, across, it came across like a glorified house show match. It was essentially the same match that we watched when we went to Hartford a couple weeks ago. It was, exactly. That's what I thought of. It was exactly the same match. Nothing special about it whatsoever. It was well-wrestled. It was a good match, but nothing special at all. And the only real thing I can say about this is that the finish saw Big Show actually knock out Big E and cause him to lose the match for his team. Now, that being said, um, you even brought it up yourself while we were watching either the pay-per-view or Raw or maybe the Rumble or something. I think it might it might have been during one of the Rumbles that we watched. You had brought up um, about how the New Day, how long they had been together. They actually debuted four years ago this month. Longer, a, a longer um, tenure, more longevity than probably any other faction in recent memory in WWE. So they're still together. But the question that you had pondered was, when will WWE break these guys up? Which has been a question that people have been asking now for at least two to three years. And I don't yeah. think that I don't think that time has come anytime soon just because they are still popular. They still sell merchandise despite how dumb their gimmick has become with the pancake shit and all this other dumb shit. Um, you know, they're still very popular with the fans more often than not. And although they may no longer be the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, I could see a scenario here or maybe kind of Big E branches off on his own to do something with the Big Show. Could you see that being the catalyst for a New Day split on SmackDown? That's a good point. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Um, I've, I've just never been a fan with them as a whole, and I think I think they were promising, not in the very beginning, because in the very beginning they had a really weird like shtick with the whole black people church choir thing it was very stereotypical but I think it's about time to break them up or do something a little bit more exciting with them like with maybe Big Show or something else yeah, I mean, I guess I could see them doing that. I mean, the Big Show feud doesn't exactly excite me, but it's something different for them. It's something else for them to do. Um, yeah. 
you know, but also too, I think a lot of people have always said about the New Day that I don't think it's going to be a scenario where one of them turns on the other, like a la The Shield, where like Rollins turned on Ambrose and Roman and now Ambrose turned on Rollins a few short weeks ago. I don't see them doing that, and I don't think many people would even really care. I know the New Day have been together now for four years, so it's going to be a big deal when they go their separate ways, but they're the type of faction I feel like can go their separate ways while still being friends and then team up when necessary. You know what I mean? So Yeah, I I, Exactly. Given their whole positive gimmick, I think it'd be a mistake if you had like Kofi Kingston go rogue and attack them with a fucking chair. Like, would anyone really care about Kofi being on his own as a singles heel or something? I don't think so. I mean, I think it could be fun for a little while, but you know, I told you a while ago, Kofi was on his own before the New Day joined forces, and no one really cared about him then. No one really gave a shit about him then. So, I don't really see that changing once the New Day breaks up again. Big E, though, I think has potential. He's easily the biggest breakout star of all three of these guys. He's been involved in singles matches before. Um, I could see him going after Big Show and them doing their own thing pretty soon. So we'll see. Um, but for the foreseeable future, though, I definitely see it being, you know, Big E being the guy that they strap the rocket to and kind of make him a single star. But maybe the New Day sticks around as a unit for a little longer. We'll soon see. But um, I thought that was telling, though, coming off their loss to the bar on this show. And then on SmackDown, where they came up short against the Usos to determine the team captains for the tag team Team SmackDown at um at Survivor Series for the tag team. So the New Day not exactly on a roll right now, so we'll see where they go from here. But we move into the semifinals at Crown Jewel. The Miz and Rey Mysterio battle it out um, with Rey, uh, the Miz rather emerging victorious. Then we had Dolph Ziggler getting the best of the Intercontinental Champion Seth Rollins. He picked up the victory there, which was a big surprise. And for the right reason. I mean, again, I'm glad that Ziggler took the loss to Shane and not Rollins, but still... That Rollins lose to Ziggler, I was not exactly excited by that. Not exactly enthralled with the outcome, but it is what it is. And the Miz and Rey Mysterio, I thought, had uh, one of the better matches of the show. Same thing with Ziggler and Rollins. They have worked well together over the last couple of months. They have a lot of history. They have great chemistry. They had another really good match here. So the matches were good, but it gave us a heel versus heel final in the World Cup, which was strange, which we'll get to momentarily. Um, but your thoughts, Alexis, on The Miz besting Rey Mysterio and Ziggler getting the better of Rollins in the semifinals? Um, well, I think The Miz and Rey Mysterio had the better of the matches because I don't know if they've had anything bad with each other in the past. I'm not sure, but I feel like it's, it's a more, not mysterious, but more kind of exciting one because I've seen, you know, I've seen Seth Rollins. I've seen... Seth Rollins versus Dolph Ziggler. I've seen that. I'm kind of over it. Um, after Hell in a Cell, I was definitely over it. The whole the whole thing there. Um, but I think they have more of a dynamic type of clash with each other because The Miz is like this really unique character, and then Rey Mysterio like just recently came back, and I just recently got really interested in him. He's really really cool really active and really acrobatic and it was the more interesting of the two whereas opposed to you know Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler it's like it's kind of more of a traditional type thing I wasn't really paying that much attention to it half of me was like okay I didn't want to watch this to begin with so half my mind was out the door that's kind of bad on WWE's part by doing that and not having a good pay-per-view because people just kind of walked into it not really wanting to watch it. Well, that's the risk that you run with Ziggler and uh, that match specifically, what you said there with Ziggler and Rollins. I think another 
aspect of that is that we've seen Ziggler and Rollins so many times in recent months, specifically during this war with the Shield and then the trio of Strowman, Ziggler, and McIntyre, that you've seen them face off in so many scenarios, whether it be tag team matches, six-man tag team matches, one-on-one matches, singles matches. We've seen them face off so many times that it gets to a point where you just don't care. Despite how good the match might be, it's like all the matches start to blend together after a while. And that was kind of the case with this outing. Whereas with Miz and Rey Mysterio, it feels fresh. They had a match on SmackDown a few short weeks ago that was also really, really good. And I think the Miz won, or Rey Mysterio won that one, the Miz won here. So now they're tied one win apiece. Um, no, but I thought that was the better match of the two. I really enjoyed it too. I thought they had a great dynamic where Rey Mysterio is this like aerial artist and then the Miz is like the ultimate opportunist where he'll do everything and anything to win. So I thought they worked yeah. well together in that respect and they had a good match and I'd be all for a feud in the future between the Miz and Rey Mysterio. And on the subject of Rey Mysterio, kind of intersplicing thoughts from Raw and SmackDown this past week, um, I was thinking, like, what's next for Rey Mysterio coming out of this show? Like, who can you pair him with in a feud that would make sense? And, you know, I was thinking maybe The Miz, given the fact that The Miz beat him here. Maybe Shinsuke Nakamura, because lest we forget, Rey Mysterio did beat Shinsuke Nakamura in a non-title match when he came back at SmackDown 1000. So he has a win over the United States champion. They can go in that direction, too, if they wanted to. And then, um, lastly, like we saw earlier on in the evening on this show, he beat Randy Orton, who attacked him afterward, which is what we also saw on SmackDown this week. So it looks like coming out of Survivor Series, because Rey Mysterio will be a part of Survivor Series, or Team SmackDown at the event, um, it could be Rey Mysterio and Randy Orton. So, any thoughts on a potential program between those two Alexis going forward? Um, I think it's time for Randy Orton to have something else, you know, fresh happen. We had the whole thing with Jeff Hardy. I liked that. I kind of enjoyed it as messed up as it was. I think Rey Mysterio, this exciting, like, kind of breath of fresh air versus, like, Randy Orton, where he's just kind of, I feel like he's a more of a classic, like you got that, the rock music and all that. I feel like that could be really, really interesting, especially with their two, like, clashing attitudes. He's very, uh, not Ray, um, well, Ray Mysterio is very, like, colorful and bold, mm-hmm. where Randy Orton, he's kind of, like, he's more on the, like, he's a viper, he's more, like, deadly kind of like that. So I feel like that could be really, really cool. You mentioned Shinsuke and Rey Mysterio, and I'm a total fan of that instantly, and I want to see that. I like that more. I like that more, too, and I'm hoping they go in that direction after Survivor Series, because Nakamura, it looks like they won't be giving him much to do until after the pay-per-view. He's really been kind of like biding his time recently. There's really, you know, spinning his wheels, treading water. There's really not much for Nakamura to do right now. He faced... Our truth a week ago, like who gives a shit about our truth, you know? That's really embarrassing to him. Exactly, it's an insult to Nakamura, especially considering he is a United States champion. He should have more going on than he currently does, but he's rarely on the show. And I think Rey Mysterio, the matches could be good. Rey Mysterio could end up with the United States Championship by the end of it. Um, so I'd be a full fan of that. I'd be an absolute fan of seeing Rey Mysterio and Nakamura going at it, coming out of Survivor Series, because obviously at the event we're getting. Um, Nakamura versus Rollins one-on-one in the champion versus champion match. So, nonetheless, I think a Rey Mysterio-Orton feud is good for the interim, but after that, maybe a Rey Mysterio-Nakamura feud for the United States Championship could do a lot to uh, make that title mean something again and also give Nakamura really something to sink his teeth into in the remainder of 2018. So, I like that idea a lot. That was the semifinals of the World Cup we got for the WWE Championship. AJ Styles 
versus Samoa Joe, part four. They had matches prior to this at SummerSlam, Hell in a Cell, Super Showdown. All of those encounters, by the way, saw AJ Styles walk out, still the WWE Champion. This match was no different. AJ walked away, still the WWE Champion, with the title in tow. Joe loses again. And I love Samoa Joe. I love AJ Styles. AJ actually, on Wednesday, celebrated one year as WWE Champion, which is really unheard of by today's standards in the company. So that's kind of a, a great testament to how great of a champion AJ has been. But um, Joe losing once again, falling short of becoming WWE Champion, as did Daniel Bryan on last week's SmackDown. So with all that being said, Alexis, Joe gets knocked down. Bryan gets knocked down. Well, first of all, your thoughts on the AJ and Joe match. But also in addition to that, who do you think is next to step up to challenge AJ Styles from SmackDown for the WWE Championship? Um, well, those are great questions. Um, Thank you. <laughs> the match itself, at that point, I just felt like it was, again, I got glorified house show. Um, you know, whereas the World Cup ones were, you know, pieces of shit, but whatever. Um, but that match was, it, it was like, it was good. It didn't stand out to me. I don't know. Maybe it takes a lot for me to get impressed just because I'm not really into all the technical stuff. I'm more into, like, the storylines and stuff. But him, AJ Styles winning, I just feel like it, it wasn't at that point again. Like, I know why the match is there. I know why it's set up, you know, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, I'm asking myself, like, why am I watching this? Because I just feel like if you're going to set it up, and if you're going to surprise everyone, like, Paige, and be like, all right, you got your match. It's going to be on Crown Jewel. AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe, title match. You'd think Samoa Joe would win because mm-hmm. it's a bit of a surprise. If it's, you know, set up, that could be one thing or another, but I was expecting something different, and we didn't get anything different than what we normally get, which is really disappointing. And um, as far as, as far as you're saying who's next, you know, to go against AJ Styles, um, I mean, I don't know, because then we asked ourselves, like, if someone else is next, which someone else obviously will be, AJ Styles isn't going to have the title forever, um, we're going to ask ourselves, like, if, are they going to beat AJ, how long is this going to take, is this going to keep going on, you know, for maybe another six months or so, we don't know. No, exactly. With AJ, I'm not sure how much longer he's going to hold the championship for. I mean, I think if there's anyone to hold that for down on SmackDown for the foreseeable future, it might as well be AJ. Because like I've said before, he's the best all-around performer on the brand currently. And there's a lot of good talent on SmackDown, but I think AJ is above all else the guy on that show right now. So if he holds the championship for another month, two months, six months, it, it could be a completely different story. But looking at the current landscape of the SmackDown roster, I've said maybe The Miz, if he's built up the right way, if he gets back in the championship conversation. It could be Andrade Sin Almas, if they, you know, he has rarely been on TV, but, you know, notable victories, maybe he could be built up as a potential challenger. And Randy Orton's another guy. Now, I, I talked about earlier about Randy Orton and Rey Mysterio. Maybe if Orton can get past Rey Mysterio, he will have a sight set on AJ Styles. I think an AJ Orton feud could be a lot of fun over the WWE Championship. Um, and, uh, I agree with that. Um, I think, but I think out of everybody you said, I feel like honestly, I, even though I really can't stand his character, 
but I think it's a great character, The Miz. I feel like it's kind of The Miz's time now, even though it's been his time, you know, multiple times. I feel like now he's he's doing more things and he's becoming a part of different um, things himself and more, you know, storylines, whatever you want to call them. Um, I feel like he could be somebody. Yeah, like I said, if they kind of get back to that, that they got, if they, they kind of get back to that point, because he really hasn't done anything lately, I guess would be the best way to put it, just because, I mean, I know he's going to be a co-captain at, at Survivor Series for Team SmackDown, so maybe if he wins that, which would be a fucking joke if SmackDown doesn't win, because if you look at Team SmackDown so far, compared to Team Raw, SmackDown's team is set. It's Daniel Bryan, The Miz, Shane, who, whatever, he's he's the best in the world, apparently, but whatever, he's on the, he's on the team. Shane McMahon... Rey Mysterio, and Samoa Joe. Okay, like, that that's a stacked team right there. Like, if they don't win, then I lose faith in this company. I lost faith after Friday after Crown Jewel, but still, I mean, I would lose even more faith coming off that show if they lose. Um, there's no real reason for Raw to win. Raw currently has Braun, who I like Braun, but the guy, which we'll talk about momentarily, is a fucking loser. The guy can never win when it matters most. So, I have no faith in him. I have no faith in him to do well at Survivor Series. You have Dolph Ziggler, who most people could not give two fucks about if he's on his own. If he's with Drew, yeah, different story. But on his own, I don't care about. Drew is I don't the, care about. Yeah, exactly. I don't care about him either. And then Drew is the only person on that team I actually care about right now after dismantling Kurt Angle limb from limb on Monday's Raw. But that's it. One person against five, most of whom have star power, with the exception of Shane, um, is, it, it doesn't cut it. Who else can you have on Team Raw that would legitimately make sense? That would genuinely make actual sense? Maybe Elias, and I love Elias, but it's like, is he really much of a threat against a Daniel Bryan or like a Samoa Joe? Not really. Um, I guess they could have Bobby Lashley on the team or Finn Balor, and I like both guys, but no one really cares about both guys right now, so they're not really much of a threat. So that that's a problem too, which we'll talk about at the end of this review and what this means for a Survivor Series. But yeah, going back to... Um, I think we are talking about Miz and AJ and whatever. But yeah, AJ and Miz could be a great feud. I think their dynamic would be awesome. No pun intended. And the matches they could have and Miz calling himself, you know, the best in the world and whatnot. So we'll see about that. But in terms of the match itself, I thought AJ and Joe had the best match on the show. But it's really sad when the best match in the show was easily the weakest match I've seen from these guys in the last couple of months. Because like you said, it had a house show vibe to it. The match went fucking 10 minutes or so. Went 10 minutes, which is a joke for a WWE Championship match. For a house show, that makes sense. For, like, a big pay-per-view championship title match, 10 minutes is very underwhelming. And AJ, you know, he hit one phenomenal forearm, which is his finishing maneuver, and that was it. That was it. Joe didn't kick out of anything. It was pretty paint-by-number stuff. Nothing exciting about this at all. It was a very good match, but that is saying something when it's the weakest match that they've had in recent months. So, that was kind of disappointing. And I don't know what this means for Joe. I don't know where he goes from here. Like I said, he's on Team SmackDown at Survivor Series, but do you have him feud maybe with Jeff Hardy going forward? Rey Mysterio maybe? There's a lot of different choices, but there's not many choices that make sense as of right now. But the match was good though. I just don't know where you go with him going forward. At least with AJ, there's a few different options. Um, There's a few different people, like you said, like I said, and The Miz, Orton, I could see... Um, Andrade, possibly. There was a few different people left for AJ to face before he inevitably drops that title, so we'll soon see. Um, but this was a good match, though. And then the show really fell off a fucking cliff. 
with the Universal Championship match, which really wasn't much of a match at all. Before the bell even rang, we had Brock Lesnar, Braun Strowman in the ring. Before the bell even rang, the acting Raw general manager, Baron Corbin, knocks out, quote-unquote, knocks out Braun Strowman with the belt from behind, hits him over the head with it. Brock Lesnar then proceeds to hit Braun over the uh, hit hit Braun with five F5s, including one over the top rope to ringside. Five F5s in two and a half minutes, or three minutes rather. Let's be let's be honest. It was a three-minute match. We gotta give credit to the performers here. Three-minute match, Brock Lesnar wins, new universal champion. And of everything that happened on this show, this to me was the most infuriating. Just because there is no real reason for Brock to be champion again, especially so soon after losing the title in the first place to Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. So, Alexis, I ask you, your thoughts on the match and your thoughts on Brock Lesnar being a now two-time Universal Champion? Well, first of all, what match? Because it was more of just fucking 5F5, that was it. That was awesome. I would say that was the point where I said to myself, this has to be a joke. Like, this has, this has to be some sort of, like, practical joke on um, the WWE universe. Like, this is not real. That's when I started to say to myself, this is not fucking real. Because, I mean, Braun Strowman, I also read this somewhere else. Like, Braun Strowman has gone through much worse on the show, no matter what it is. And the fact that Baron Corbin hits him over the head with the title, and, oh, all of a sudden, oh, I can't compete. Yeah, I've had worse happen to me. And then he loses, like, in two and a half minutes. It's just, like, it's honestly, it's so embarrassing to him. It's humiliating is really the better term. Um, And to have somebody who barely shows up anyways win the title again is, it's just where I tell myself, this is not, this is just, it's not, there's no way this is going to stick for for long. It's either that or Vince McMahon just says, fuck you to all the fans, because that's really what it felt like. That if someone wins for the second time, who barely shows up, doesn't do shit, and has a terrible attitude as it is, and it's just, you know, a dick, probably a dick in real life too, who knows? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, it's ridiculous to me. That really is infuriating. And I, I really hope it's going to turn around soon. I don't think it will, but I really wanted to keep my fingers crossed for that. I mean, we'll soon see, but I think Rollins really summed it up. You said it right there. It's a big fuck you to the fans. And I think Rollins summed it up perfectly on Raw this week when he was talking about Rollins, or rather Brock becoming champion. And we're not the biggest Roman Reigns fans, but at least the guy was on the show every week. That's a different story than Braun, or rather Brock Lesnar, who was never on the show and likely will not defend that championship until at least the earliest, the Royal Rumble, which is not for another two and a half months. I know he's going to be a survivor. What'd you say? At that, at that point, it's like, you don't even, you're not even the champion because you barely defended it. You just won it once. And you barely won it. You didn't even earn it. So it's like, you're not even the champion. Yeah, it's a real joke. And I've seen people make the argument that maybe this will mean more in the long term. Like, okay, it gets more heat on Brock Lesnar. It gets more people to hate Brock Lesnar. And I get that, but I not really just because I think it, it hurts Raw. Not only just short term, but long term. Raw is already in a pretty bad state. Raw is pretty deplorable from week to week. Um, to not have a world champion there will put the show in even further shit than it's already in. That's one thing. Second thing. Um, it's going to be months before we have a new champion. Very likely. I mean, I guess you could drop the belt on fucking TV in the next couple of weeks. I highly doubt that. Brock Lesnar has not wrestled one match on Raw since he came back to the company in 2012. So, 
Do your own speculation. He's not dropping the championship on Raw anytime soon. It's not like we have a Mr. Money in the Bank either. It's not like someone can magically cash in and beat Brock Lesnar for the title. And then three, um, who can feasibly beat Brock Lesnar? If their idea is to have Braun get the shit kicked out of him and decisively get defeated at Crown Jewel only for fans to rally behind him to win the championship at, at some point down the road, whether it be the Rumble or WrestleMania, no one will give a fuck. Because we've seen this before, and they really... It's the, it's the epitome of that saying, where you gotta strike while the iron is hot. Well, they, they're gonna fucking strike while the iron is ice cold with Braun Strowman. Because this guy has been so popular on so many occasions. And, you know, he had some fanfare coming into this match, even though they turned him heel for like two months, and then they turned him back into a babyface, which is fucking weird as hell. But I know why they did it, because Roman got sick, whatever. But he had some fanfare coming into this match. And I know it means more for him to win the championship at like a bigger show like the Rumble or WrestleMania as opposed to a fucking random-ass Saudi Arabia show. But still, I think at this point, if they build up Braun Strowman as a threat to the championship, no one will care. No one will give a shit. Because we've seen Brock and Braun so many times now, nobody cares. It gets to a point of diminishing returns where you beat someone and you beat someone and you beat someone. At some point, they're looked at as a fucking loser. And at this point... I put out a tweet a couple days ago uh, listing off all the times he's lost at, for the title. He lost at SummerSlam 2017 in the four-way with Brock Lesnar. He lost to Brock Lesnar one-on-one in No Mercy last year, so that's two times he failed to win the championship. He failed to win it in a three-way at the Royal Rumble, also involving Brock Lesnar. He failed to win it at um, Hell in the Cell a couple weeks ago against Roman Reigns, or a few months ago, rather. And then he failed to win it at Crown Jewel. That's five opportunities that he's lost now. A sixth opportunity is not going to make him any more popular. People just will not give a shit. People will not care. So at this point, Braun Strowman should be out of the equation. I like Braun, but he's likely not winning that belt anytime soon. So if it's not Braun Strowman, who can beat Brock Lesnar, considering that no one else has been able to beat Brock in the many years he's been back with the company? The only four people to do so include Triple H, John Cena, Goldberg, all of whom are part-timers, Goldberg doesn't even wrestle anymore, so that really goes to show how just how dumb it was to have him beat Brock a couple years ago. And now Roman Reigns, and Roman Reigns is the only active member of the roster who can beat Brock Lesnar, and he's sick, and he'll be gone, so it's like, who else can beat Brock? If you had to take a choice, if you had to take a pick, Alexis, who from the current roster, whether it be Raw, SmackDown, even NXT, who do you think would be a feasible choice to beat Brock Lesnar for that Universal Championship? Um, I, that's a really good question. We were actually talking about that the other day, I think, after the fact. Um, well, I think you mentioned Drew McIntyre, and I really didn't give two fucks about this guy until I watched um, Raw when he beat Kurt Angle's ass and just humiliated the shit out of him. I feel like he could, and he's a pretty big dude. I feel like he could have the potential to beat Brock Lesnar, but I don't think they would do that because Drew McIntyre is just kind of like he's just kind of there. He's kind of floating around. Um, you could have something where we were talking about this as well. You could have something in the case where you know, like Seth Rollins wants to um, kind of send for Roman Reigns while he's not there and protect the title. Um, because he's kind of, Seth Rollins is kind of a loser right now, not in the sense, not in the technical sense, where he's losing all these matches. Um, at least I don't 
I don't really think so. I haven't paid too much attention to him. But in the sense where, you know, his friend is sick, his other friend turned on him, and he still doesn't know why. He's kind of going through a lot right now. Um, so we could have something like that. Um, NXT, I feel like, also has a lot more potential because it seems like, you know, the company's not going to make any changes anytime soon. And if they made Brock Lesnar fucking win this match, at this point, anything can happen. So I'm thinking what would be the better option or the cooler option is to bring someone up from NXT and either keep them on the main roster or, you know, I don't know, maybe have them come in once and beat Brock Lesnar to scare him and then come in later in a few months. Like, they could do something like that. Um, I haven't watched NXT enough to say, oh, such and such person could do it. But honestly, even though I haven't really seen, I'm not really experienced on watching NXT, I think that would be the better choice. Yeah, because at least it would be someone newer. And I think people take the people that are new because it's not the same old, same old. Now, McIntyre is relatively new, which is why I like him as a potential choice. So McIntyre is one. If he's built up the right way, I think they took a big step in the right direction on Monday's Raw by having him beat the crap out of Kurt Angle and just embarrass yeah. him. I thought that was a big step in the right direction. He's got to do a lot more than that to be taken as a real threat to Brock, though. Drew, I don't think he's been... Eh. If he has been beaten one-on-one since he's been back and by pinfall or so, I don't remember it. He may have lost to Rollins here or there, but he really has not been beaten at all. And he's been on Raw now for like six or seven months. So that in and of itself is impressive. The guy's big. He has the size to do it. So that's one option. You said Rollins. I was thinking Rollins too. Based on what Rollins said on Monday's Raw, maybe that was designed to plant the seeds um, for a future Rollins-Lesnar encounter. But then again, I, saw, I thought the same thing many months ago because... Rollins, when he was Intercontinental Champion the first time coming out of WrestleMania, he was like, oh, the Intercontinental Championships, the top title on Raw, Brock's never even here, and I'm thinking, okay, cool, maybe they're building the Rollins and Brock at SummerSlam, and they didn't, and they ended up doing Roman and, um, Roman and, uh, fucking Brock Lesnar instead. I'm like, okay, what, it's, what a waste. I thought Rollins really, he had a lot more momentum six months ago than he does right now. He's still very popular, but still, he, again, he is another guy that, that would have to be built up to beat Brock Lesnar. And he just fucking lost to Dolph Ziggler at Crown Jewel in like 10 minutes. So again, if you really want to have someone beat Brock Lesnar, you can't be losing to Dolph Ziggler. So that would take time to make Rollins mean something. I like the idea of calling up someone from NXT. Um, It would have to be... It would... I mean, I guess you could do it on the first night. So they, they do do shock things. Like they had Goldberg who had not wrestled in like 15 years when he came back a few years ago. That guy was 50 years old. He beat Brock Lesnar in like a minute and a half. It was cool, but you should have done that same thing with someone newer, someone that could have benefited. Because Goldberg beat Brock in a minute and a half. Yeah, cool moment and all, but the guy's not fucking around to reap the benefits because he's gone six months later. So really, you know, really in the end, did it mean anything? No, it didn't because the guy's gone now. So who cares? Whereas, like if it was a Kevin Owens or if it was a fucking... The Braun Strowman who did that and beat Brock in a minute and a half, at least they're still here to say, I beat Brock in a minute and a half. I can, they could, that's their claim to fame, you know? Like The Miz, for example. Many people may not remember this, but he was in the main event of WrestleMania many, many years ago. He beat John Cena, albeit with the help of The Rock, but he still beat John Cena in the main of WrestleMania to retain the WWE title. That was in 2011, but he can still hang his hat on that and has still brought it up many, many times since then. Because that's something that will never, ever be forgotten. And never something that could be, 
you know, taken away from him. A lot like someone beating Brock in a minute and a half. So I would have that be at this point. No one from the current roster makes sense to me to be that person. AJ's getting another shot at Survivor Series. I'd be fucking shocked as all hell if AJ beat Brock. I don't think it's happening. I know Brock beat him last year. AJ is not only significantly smaller than Brock, he's better than Brock. But the issue with that is that Brock is going to be competing very likely in the UFC in early 2019. I do not see WWE beating Brock Lesnar before he competes in a quote-unquote real fight in the UFC in a couple months. I don't see that happening. So I don't see it being AJ. But it could be someone like an Aleister Black who has the size, he has a mystique about him. I think he could be a guy that could really beat Brock if they built him up the right way when he gets called up. But again, it would have to be soon because I don't know if I can stomach another six months with Brock as champion and not him being and him not being around. So, you know, hopefully it happens sooner rather than later. This is all speculation and fantasy booking in our part, but hopefully they can figure out who that person is to beat Brock and then go on from there because at this point, it's ridiculous. Like, it's cool that Brock, you know, like your dad, for example, loves Brock. He loves Brock Lesnar because he's a legitimate athlete. He's a legitimate badass. And he feels more special than anyone else in the show, which is great. And I agree with that. And I like Brock Lesnar a lot. The issue is, is that you build up someone to the point where they're completely unstoppable and they're incapable of being beaten by anyone else. That's a problem because it makes everyone else look like a loser in comparison. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So... Yeah. I agree with that. I She's the same thing. But the difference between Ronda and Brock is that Ronda also should be going undefeated. I've seen some people say that Becky should beat her. And honestly, I would, not, I would be fine with that. Though at the same time, it is weird to think that even if, let's say, okay, this is a certain scenario. We're kind of going off track here from Crown Jewel, but that's okay because we're going to talk about this anyway. If you have a Survivor Series, so let's say Becky beats Ronda, which I don't think it's going to happen. But if Becky beats Ronda, not, like, alone, but she beats her with the help of, like, Charlotte. Like, Charlotte, like, interferes, and she inadvertently helps Becky win. I guess that makes sense. But at the same time, Ronda Rousey, I know you may not be, like, extremely familiar with her background, but she went undefeated in the UFC, which is a real sport. She went undefeated in the UFC for years before finally being beaten. And then once she was beaten, it was a big-ass deal. She's been in WWE now for a cup of coffee, so to have her get beaten right now would be a mistake. It should be at least until WrestleMania, if not much later down the road. Like, Asuka went undefeated in this company. It included NXT, but whatever. She was undefeated for, like, two and a half years. That should be Rousey's undefeated record, if not longer than that. Like, there's no real, there's no person on this roster, except for maybe Charlotte, that can beat Ronda Rousey. But with Ronda, she makes other people look good, and the thing with Ronda, too, is that unlike Brock at this point, she's not beating people in two minutes. She's actually making it look competitive. Like, her matches with yeah, Alexa, you know, her matches with Alexa probably should have been over in two minutes because Alexa is nothing compared to Ronda Rousey, but they made Alexa look competitive. Nikki Bella, same thing. She is nothing compared to Ronda Rousey, but they made it look competitive, and Nikki had, a, like, a 10-minute match with her, not, like, a two-second squash match. You know what I'm saying? So... Yeah. They're, they're not ruining the rest of the roster in favor of Ronda Rousey. She's undefeated and she's dominant, but she's not running through people left and right to the point where it's like everyone else looks like a loser. 
Some people look like losers, but not because Ronda beat the shit out of them. It's because they have nothing else for them to do. Like Bailey and Sasha, I could not get two shits about right now. It has nothing to do with Ronda. It has more to do with that the company has nothing for them at the moment. So I do, I absolutely agree with what you're saying, and it is worth pointing out because I could see a lot of people saying, which has been said before, well, why, if you don't want this to happen with Brock, then why would you want to happen with Ronda? I think with Ronda, she's not going in there and delivering. She's not putting the armbar on people and holding it in for five minutes before they tap out. Like, I feel like that would be the equivalent to what we see with Brock, where Brock goes in there, hits a couple suplexes. Usually it's like four or five F5s and the match is over. That's like if Ronda Rousey went in there, hit a bunch of judo throws, and it was over in two minutes. Like, that would be a fucking joke. Like, that's not entertaining. You know? Like, maybe you could do that in the UFC and get away with it because it's a real sport and fights can realistically end in two minutes. But in the WWE, you have the opportunity to make someone like an AJ Styles or a Charlotte or a Braun Strowman or a Becky Lynch, you can make them look as legitimate or as credible of a threat as you possibly want them to be. Ronda can still win, but it's how the other person looks in defeat. There is nothing about the performance that Braun had at Crown Jewel that makes me think that the guy is any sort of a winner whatsoever. So that's the problem. Because Braun, it's not like, oh, you know, he put forth the great fight. No, he looks like a fucking loser because he got beat by five F5s and he got no offense in. We saw the replay at Raw this, this past week when we watched it with your brother at the beginning of the show. He he lost a fucking... He got, what, one boot in? Like, one boot to the face and that was it? Like, it's embarrassing. Like, you can't make the people that Brock is beating look like losers because it makes everyone else look that much worse. And they're not doing that with Ronda, which is a good thing. So, yeah, that that's my two cents on that. If you have anything else to add to that. Um... No, I agree. I agree. They're just it's not it's it's less about Brock and more how they how they make his opponents look in defeat. And they yeah. all look like losers at this point because no one is even capable of getting a move in on Brock Lesnar. So that's the thing with AJ. It's like I know Braun was attacked beforehand, but it's like realistically, how should AJ Styles be able to get in as much offense as he probably should against Brock when Braun just lost the like five F5s? Like, realistically, shouldn't AJ lose to four, like, two or three F5s at Survivor Series, if not less than that, at, at the pay-per-view? Because Braun got nothing in, so shouldn't AJ, since he's a lot smaller than Braun, shouldn't he be beaten in, like, 30 seconds? Like, that's the issue you run into with this type of shit. So, uh, that's, that's, I mean, again, that might be overanalyzing, but that's, that's the Brock Lesnar dilemma right now, where I do not see anyone on the current roster, unless they're built up the right way, beating Brock Lesnar. So that was the biggest problem that I had with Brock becoming champion. And that's not even the rest of the show. That's not even accounting for what happened in the rest of this pay-per-view, which included the World Cup Finals, which was supposed to see the Miz and Dolph Ziggler, which is a good match. They've had good matches before. We talked about this uh, a couple days ago when we were reviewing Crown Jewel just amongst ourselves. They've had matches before. They have good chemistry. But the problem is, is that they're both heels. They're both bad guys. So when you put two bad guys in the ring with each other, the crowd has no incentive to choose to cheer for either one of those guys. So the match likely would not have been that good to begin with. But then Miz gets quote-unquote hurt, which he obviously was not legit hurt, but he got hurt in storyline, whatever. And he gets replaced by Shane McMahon, who then proceeds to beat Dolph Ziggler in two and a half minutes. Now again, that's like that's making Dolph look like a loser, which he already was to begin with, but 
Like Dolph beats Kurt Angle, then he loses to Shane McMahon. Give me a break. Give me a fucking give me a fucking break. This was a joke. So Shane is now, after winning the WWE World Cup, is the best wrestler in the entire world. So this was infuriating to say the least. I know where they were going with this. I know they wanted to add bad blood to the Raw versus SmackDown feud at Survivor Series, which I don't really care about personally. I'm sure I'm not the only one who feels that way. Um, but this was the wrong way to go about it. You could have very easily had someone from SmackDown win this tournament and had that be the catalyst for why Raw hates SmackDown. Why did it have to be Shane McMahon, a guy who doesn't even fucking wrestle nine out of ten times out of the year? So I just thought that was insanely stupid. So do you want to elaborate, Alexis? Um, that whole thing felt like a fucking, like, full house sitcom storyline. I fucking hated how cheesy that was. With, like, Shane McMahon, oh, oh, I'll, no, I'll go in, I'll go in, I'll go in. Okay, first of all, the acting in this, in this whole scenario was terrible. Like, I, I was very pissed off when I saw this because, like, I was saying to myself, like, you gotta be, you gotta be fucking kidding me. This is not gonna happen. This is not gonna happen. Like, the Miz versus Dolph Ziggler, yeah, they're both heels, and yeah, like, they are kind of like a similar character, even though one of them has this big Hollywood gimmick. The other one is actually from Hollywood, Florida or some shit. You know, it kind of would have been a little bit interesting and maybe to have something happen. I don't know. But, you know, the way they ended it, it's like you could have gone so many different ways with it and you chose to have fucking Shane McMahon win. I mean, what is this? Boy meets world? Like, what is <laughs> Uh, that was that was a great reference. You get 20, 20 points to Gryffindor for that boy meets reference, for that boy meets world reference alone. So props to you for that. Thank you very much. I will accept flowers and you know money if you want to send me that. That's fine. I will. I will. <laughs> I will gladly. Be, I will gladly be the Corey Matthews to your Topanga. Well, fun fact, uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, seven slash eight is. Uh, Alexis and uh, Graham G.S. and Matthews uh, four-month anniversary, so kudos to us. That is accurate. People can send their gifts and well wishes to at Lex the Jackham on the Twitter machine, at WrestleRant, and at Grammarmina as well. That was just that was just a cheap plug just to get our Twitter accounts in there. But, <laughs> send, you know, send money, send flowers, send chocolates. I love me some Twix, so be sure to send me oh some Twix God, no, no, in the mail. To my P.O. box. It's one, two, three. Go fuck yourself, WWE. Um, yeah, so send me some some Twix. I'd appreciate it. Um, yeah, let, let's wrap this shit up. Less said about this, the better. Just because Shane McMahon, there really is nothing to say about it. The Brock Lesnar thing, I think there's a bigger problem at hand. This was just fucking stupid. This was just so dumb, I could not even believe it. I think I laughed when we watched it just because it was so stupid. But um, yeah, Shane McMahon will be a part of Team SmackDown come Survivor Series um, after this victory at Crown Jewel. And, um, yeah, CM Punk apparently has nothing on Shane McMahon. Nothing on Shane McMahon. Um, fun fact for you, too. I did not watch the opening segment yesterday. Did you watch the opening segment yesterday for SmackDown, Alexis, or did you watch later on? Um, what was the opening segment? Like, the opening uh, segment, they had Daniel Bryan, The Miz, Shane, and Paige talking about Survivor Series. Did you tune in after oh, that? Yeah, no, no, I watched that. So... You must not have... Okay, if you watched that, and I feel like if you heard this, then, then you would have um, then you would have told me. So I didn't watch the opening segment. I was still in class at that point, so I tuned in during the Usos New Day match, and I never, want, I never went back to watch the opening segment. 
But I did hear online that when Shane McMahon was presented with the WWE World Cup trophy, and Paige was like, oh, here comes the best in the world, all this other fucking garbage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That he was presented oh. with chants from the crowd of CM Punk. Did you hear that? Or was it edited? No, it could have been edited out because they were in the UK yesterday. It wasn't technically live. Despite being SmackDown Live, it wasn't live because they filmed it in the UK earlier on in the day. So did oh, you? no, I yeah, exactly. So they probably edited that out because they could because it was taped. Um, but yeah, that happened because it definitely was loud enough because I saw some fan videos from the arena and it was pretty loud. It was pretty loud. Yeah. So it was a lot like, oh no, you didn't watch that episode of SmackDown when they chanted for CM Punk. I just told you about that when they chanted towards Shane, but which is comical yeah. in retrospect because Shane won the fucking whole thing. So <laughs> um, unless this is leading, what would you say? Yeah. <laughs> Not really the best in the world, blah, 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 blah. I don't know if they were doing that as a joke or to have him like be sarcastic mm-hmm. or if they really wanted to kind of, in in a indirect way, like apologize for that even happening or acknowledge that that was dumb. I don't know which they were going for. That's the problem. Like, I completely agree. I didn't watch the segment. I just read up on it after the fact. The issue is that you would think, okay, coming out of Crown Jewel, they're going to make the guy a heel, which is a joke because we already have a lot of heel authority figures. It's a problem this company has. We already have Baron Corbin. We already have Stephanie McMahon. We do not need another heel McMahon in this company. But yeah. they turn they turn him heel, whatever. So then you get to SmackDown, and the guy's not really a heel. Now, we got booed because of what happened at Crown Jewel, but then he's, like, saying what you just said. He's like, this isn't for me. This is for the entire locker room. Like, go fuck yourself, guy. Like, you either be a heel... Or fucking don't win the entire tournament. Like this, I know it's not really on Shane. It's obviously on the company. But it's like, you, you can't have it both ways. You can't win a whole tournament, act like a heel, and then go back to being a babyface like three or four days later. It's confusing as shit. So I completely agree with you. And I was going to bring that up too, but I forgot. It's like, they got to pick a role here. Do they want him to be the bad guy? Or is he just the bad guy when they're facing Raw? Like, what, what's what's going on here? truth be told, I'd rather have him be a good guy just because we don't need another heel authority figure. But at the end of the day, just it, it just makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. So again, in a perfect world, I'd have CM Punk come back, beat the fuck out of him, drop one of those pipe bomb promos again where he's like, you're not the best in the world, I am. They have a match, he beats him in two minutes, and um, that'd be the end of it. But obviously, very clearly, that's not happening. That's just ideal. Maybe you can save that for the video game people, but in a, in a perfect world... In a, in a realistic world, that's not happening. But yeah, I, it, was, um, it was that and Seth Rollins, you know, kind of speaking the truth, whereas everyone else is so far up their own fucking butt crack about Crown Jewel. So far, Vince McMahon's asshole about saying, you know, all this positive shit about it, but you got, like, Seth Rollins kind of being a bit of, like, the people's voice, saying, actually, that it was shit and such and such shouldn't have happened, and... Brock Lesnar is barely here, but yet he's somehow a champion. So, I don't know. I feel like they inadvertently kind of apologize for that even being a thing. Because, you know, we all know they did it for money, but I don't even know. It's like, you did it for money, but then why did you pick all these shit choices? So, it's kind of like, where are we going here, you know? 
Yeah, no, exactly. I got the feel during the show that they were really just trying to get through it. That's why the matches were so quick. They were like, okay, we know we shouldn't be here right now, but we had an obligation to do the show. We're just going to get through this thing as quickly as we possibly can. Which, you know what? I understand that. They shouldn't have had the show in the first place because the show was awful. But even if it was great, they should not have been over in Saudi Arabia given the circumstances. But you know what? They went there. But then they make the shit decisions that they do, especially towards the end half of the show. And it's like, then why even bother? Don't apologize, because it's like, then don't do the dumb shit in the first place. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you are yeah. so, if you feel so bad about the show being bad, which they definitely do, because they knew the fan backlash was atrocious. It was, it was worse for this show than any other this year. If you're sorry for the show being bad, then fucking don't have a bad show in the first place. And it's not like it was disappointing. It was just a bad show. They were like, okay, then don't have Shane win the entire tournament. Don't have Brock win the belt back. Like, if you're going to be sorry, then don't do dumb stuff like that in the first place. Have yeah. have Brock lose the championship right back to Braun on, on the next night on Raw or something. I don't know. If you really felt that bad, then you would make the proper adjustments to have it be a make good. But they're not doing that. They're, they're, they're going forward with Brock as champion. They're going forward with Shane as the best in the world. You can't go back and erase him now. You got to stick to it. But if you're going to stick to it, don't apologize. I don't know. They can't have it both ways. That's what this company is notorious for. Um, but we will finish off on this note before I let you go. The main event of the show, which we kind of watched, but not really. We watched it on our way to work. D-Generation X, Triple H, and Shawn Michaels, who made his in-ring return on the show, versus the Brothers of Destruction, The Undertaker, and Kane. Um, the match was shit. Shawn Michaels, I know you didn't really watch the show. I honestly thought he did a good job. Um, I'd be more open to Shawn Michaels' matches. I know the guy has not wrestled in eight years, but it really is sad when Shawn Michaels has not wrestled in eight years. And he's the best guy in the entire match. That's pretty sad. And I know Triple H, Taker, and Kane, I know they're not regulars on the show anymore. But still, they wrestle far more times out of the year than Shawn Michaels has since 2010. So that's pretty sad. Um, Triple H got hurt early on. He tore his pec. We saw that picture on Monday. It looks gross as fuck. But if we're not getting any more Triple H matches for the foreseeable future, you know what? I'm not complaining. I don't really care about the guy in the ring. I don't really give a shit. Um, Taker and Kane. Kane should not be wrestling. The guy's a mayor now. Have him just move on. Taker looks like shit. He's not had a good match in years. This was just an atrocity overall, On you know, all things considered, despite the fact that I thought Sean looked good here. So, any thoughts on the main event from Crown Jewel, Alexis? Um... But like, See, sorry, go ahead. I'll I'll edit the end. Go ahead. But being even being associated with watching the match, it's like I'm embarrassed to have watched it because you had fucking what was Kane's mask fell off. That's, I mean, come on, that's humiliating. And then to see all these four old ass men parade around the room in like you know leotards or some shit is so ridiculous because you can have one way of wrestling where it's like you know it's really cool to watch. You can them performing really well with each other. They have really good chemistry. All their characters are really working well. And then you have the other side, which is like, if you don't stick with what you're doing and you don't own it, it looks embarrassing. And they mm-hmm. own it. It looks like they were tired from minute one. And it, it just looked like they were like, they, they were done and they needed their AARP card to go fucking buy some butterscotch candy. Like, it was ridiculous. 
It was it was pretty awful. It was pretty embarrassing. The Super Showdown match sucked too. This was right up there as one of the worst pay per view main events that I've seen all year. Um, this was just an atrocity. So that being said, with this matchup, um, the fact that Sean looked as good as he did, despite having not wrestled since 2010, was really a testament to how bad the other guys looked. The Taker, Kane, Triple H, the whole thing really should not have happened. Um, I was going to say something else, but I forgot. You had mentioned it earlier, and I was going to say something. Oh, fuck. What, what did you say earlier that I was going to respond to about this match? Um, well, I was, it, was, it was very... It was humiliating. Like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, okay, that, that, that's what I was going to say. Like you said, like the Angle-McIntyre match. The thing with that match, that was done on purpose. I'm sure Angle can actually go out there and have a good match. Maybe not a great match. I mean, the guy's 40-something years old. That was done on purpose to make Angle look old. Okay, so that was that was a storytelling technique, which it worked, and it worked. It did. And I thought it was good. This was not done... The issue with this was that it wasn't done on purpose. They are actually <laughs> that fucking old. This was not done on purpose. This was a pure... An ex, a prime example of just how out of their element all... I, I'm not going to say all four, because Sean looked good. These three of the four guys are at this point in their careers. How just out of touch and how out of shape these guys are. That it was it was embarrassing. The fact that Sean did a moonsault to the top off the top rope, Taker didn't catch him, and then Kane's mask fell off. It's like, dude, that's really just in a nutshell how bad the match was and how bad this show was. I felt like. I felt like I did a moonsault coming off the top rope, coming into the show. I felt like I was doing a moonsault coming into Crown Jewel, and then WWE didn't catch me, and then their mask fell off to show how bad the show was. That's a pretty bad uh, uh, analogy there, but that's as good of a, as as good of an analogy as I can come up with for the show, because that's how I felt. I was Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker was WWE, and Kane was the rest of the fans with their mask coming off and just giving up. The mask is the fans just fucking giving up on the show. Oh, uh, it was pretty bad. Um, but that was Crown Jewel. Thankfully, we have uh, Survivor Series coming up next month. Not next month, in two weeks, actually. It's coming up pretty quickly. Um, I'm not sure if I can have you here on the show again to help me break it down. Maybe we will. Maybe we will have Alexis back on to help me break down the show. We will soon see. It would be a lot of fun for uh, Thanksgiving week coming up in two short weeks. I think Thanksgiving is in two weeks. Or no, rather, it's... Yeah, no, it's in two weeks. Thanksgiving is in two weeks from today, believe it or not, so... Anyway, stay tuned now for more thoughts on Survivor Series. Um, as of right now, Alexis, yes or no, are you excited for Survivor Series based off the current lineup? We have Brock and AJ. We have Nakamura Rollins. We have Ronda Rousey and um, Becky Lynch. We have the men's Raw vs. SmackDown 5-on-5 five five match, the women's 5-on-5 five five Raw vs. SmackDown match, and the 10-on-10 Raw vs. SmackDown match with the tag teams like New Day, The Usos, AOP, whatever. It'll likely also be AOP versus The Bar in a champion versus champion match. But that's the current lineup for the pay-per-view as of right now. Are you looking forward to that on paper? I am. I think that does sound pretty exciting. Especially, like, for me, as a huge Ronda Rousey fan, Ronda Rousey versus Becky Lynch, I feel like is probably the one that speaks my interest more. But no, I think that's, that sounds really exciting. And also, real quick, before we wrap it up here, uh, this is going to be a whole other discussion for another day, but I'm not sure when the next time I'm going to have you on is. Um, but Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, we talked about it briefly before we went on the air here. I feel like has more buzz around it than any other match in that show, including AJ and Brock, which should be a great match. They had one of the better matches of 2017 last year at Survivor Series, which I'll show you at some point. It was a great match. But 
it's a rematch, and we all know Brock's going to win. So I would not put that in the main event. The 5-on-5 five five men's Raw versus SmackDown a tag team match should be good. There's nothing on the line. So who fucking cares? Now, I know Becky and Ronda, there's nothing on the line, but they have made this feel like a big fucking deal. Like, with Becky's promo on SmackDown, she made a lot of good points. Ronda Rousey made a lot of good points in her Raw promo on Monday night. Both these girls, are they have yet to touch. So I feel like with the Raw and SmackDown thing, you're not going to see people switch over to the shows to, like, interact before the pay-per-view. Sometimes, heading into Survivor Series, sometimes that does happen. But usually they wait until the pay-per-view to finally come face-to-face. I feel like when we finally see Ronda and Becky come face-to-face after all the shit-talking they've done in recent weeks, it's going to feel like a big fucking deal. So that's why I'm looking forward to it. Um, do you think that match is worthy? And do you think it should main event the Survivor Series pay-per-view? I'm surprised it's not. That honestly pisses me off because you're going to hype up this match. They've hyped it up so for so long now. At this point, like what? Two, three weeks? Two weeks? I, now it's two weeks, three weeks probably, like four weeks. I don't even know. You're hyping it up this much and then... You're barely hyping up like AJ Styles and Brock Lesnar. If anything, they they hyped that up after Ronda and Becky. Like, I'm more excited to see Ronda and Becky. I think everybody else is too, especially with you know how talented they each are in their own way and their own you know little stuff that they do. So it's one million percent, especially with all the stuff that the women are doing, like all you know the Money in the Bank. They had the um, Battle Royal. They had, obviously, Evolution. Um, all this cool stuff happening with the women. You know, why not? What, what's it going to hurt anybody? Exactly. I mean, as of right now, there's nothing saying that they won't main event. Um, there's no. We won't know what the main event is until the show itself. Like, they, they don't announce it ahead of time. But I think it is the most... The, the, like, okay, like with Ronda and Nikki. Was it the best match at Evolution? No. But they built it up as the main event because it had more hype around it than any other match in the show. And Charlotte and Becky was the best match on the show, if not one of the best matches all year. But Ronda and Nikki were the two biggest names on that whole show. Now, Brock and AJ are two big names. But to me, if if you say, what's the Survivor Series card going to look like? What matches are on the show? The first match I think of is Ronda and Becky. And that's exactly. the match I think should go on last. And it's also a match, too, where Ronda should win. We discussed this earlier. But... I think there is a chance Becky could win. I honestly have no I have no faith in AJ going over. And it's not on AJ, it's all on Brock, where I think Brock, there's no chance he's going to lose at this point in time. So I think there's more unpredictability surrounding the Becky and Ronda match. And then you have the men's Raw versus SmackDown 5-on-5 five five match. Eh, again, nothing on the line, who cares? It doesn't really matter. Um, it should be a fun match, but I do think Becky and Ronda, I think they're, even the, they're on the fucking poster for the pay-per-view. Like, the two biggest... Prominently featured faces on that um on the poster for the show, so that alone to me screams main event. I know yep. Ronda just main evented Evolution. Becky has never main evented the pay per view. We've only had a few main event women's matches in the company history, and I think now is as good of a time as any. Whereas like at other points it's felt forced. Like eh, I don't really like. I don't, if I don't really care, like let's say Sasha Banks versus fucking Becky Lynch. Would it be a great match? Yeah, does it feel like a main event match right now? No, because people don't really care about Sasha right now. If they put that in the main event, it's like, that feels forced. Like, you're just putting it in there. Yeah. Oh, look, look at our women's main event. Like, look at us, how progressive we are. Like, I don't fucking care. Like, the match that deserves the main event slot should be the match that feels like the biggest deal. 
And I'm not saying yeah. put Ronda and Becky in the main event slot because they're women because they have a fucking vagina. I'm saying put them in the main event because it feels like the biggest match on the show. I don't care if you're male, female, or an it or whatever. That's the biggest match on the show. So that's why I would have a close Survivor Series. But that's just my two cents. If you have I anything agree. to add to that, yeah. So. Yeah, no, I know, I agree. I that for me is the one that I, I really am dying to see. Um, no matter what happens, but if that one doesn't main event, I'll be really upset. I I don't know if I'll be shocked. I'll be I'll be kind of mad about it. Not because they're women, because you know, blah 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 blah. But I just feel like you know, especially because they're like. They're kind of emphasizing on how good and how progressive they are and how good of a company they are. Like, oh, look at how sweet we are to our, to the women. Like, okay, we get it. So, I don't know. I feel like, you know, why not just do it? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, coming off of Evolution 2, they're like, oh, look at our first ever all-women's pay-per-view, which really was just an attempt to, like, oh, don't look at Crown Jewel, which only has men, because this company, this country that we're going to are a bunch of fucking assholes and they don't like women competing on their shows. That's really what the whole purpose behind Evolution was, to kind of serve as a distraction that they were going back to Saudi Arabia without the women. Um, if, you, if you really want to send a message, Evolution was great. Okay. But maintain that momentum by giving the women more time and giving them more meaningful storylines, which they are with Ronda and Becky. But I can't say the same for, like, Asuka. I can't say the same for Sasha Banks and Bayley. We had fucking Sasha Banks, Bayley, and Italia versus the Riot Squad again. Who cares? Who gives a shit? And then they have that terrible um, little thing with Natalia's dad's sunglasses. Yeah, it was awful. The match didn't even end. The match never even ended. It just ended with, with, with Natalia crying like a little bitch that her daddy's glasses got broke. Oh, my daddy's glasses broke. Like, give me a fucking break. Like, oh, my. The, the. Yeah, exactly. The crowd did the referee's job for him by counting out Natalia or Sarah Logan, whoever was the, the legal person in that match, who should have been counted out for walking away. The, the referee did nothing. The match just ended. They just played the Riot Squad's music, and that was it. Like, what? It made no sense. But anyway, um, that was Raw. I do got to let you go. You got to head off to class. Before I let you go, Alexis, of course, thank you for joining me again for WrestleRant Radio, two short weeks removed from your last appearance here on the show. You obviously will be back in the not-so-distant future. Um, we just watched Crown Jewel together. I thought it'd be fitting to have you come here on the show and help me break down and rant about how awful this pay-per-view was. And it uh, definitely worked. Um, I thought it worked out wonderfully. So thank you for your time. Before I let you go, though, baby girl, um, let the people know where can they find you on the social medias. Well, you can find me at Alexis on Instagram. Um, you know how to spell that? It is... Uh, Alexis the Jack. What, what was it again on Instagram? Alexis the Jackamo. It is A-L-E-X-I-S-D-I-G-I-Wait-A-C-O-M-O. And there's no underscore in between there. That that's just straight up Alexis the Jackamo. Yeah. So there you go. Find Alexis the Jackamo on Instagram. Her Twitter is at Lex the Jackamo. L-E-X. Then same thing. D-I. G-I-A-C-O-M-O. Find her on the Twitter machine as well. She's not in the chat of snaps. She's on the Insta. She's on AIM, Gmail, Xbox Live. You can find her pretty much everywhere that they have a fucking internet connection. Find her. Follow her. She's the true best in the world. So, Alexis, thank you for coming here on WrestleRant Radio. Can't wait to talk to you next. Obviously, we'll be later fucking today. But I'm talking about here on WrestleRant Radio. So, thank you again. 
Thank you so much for having me. All right, baby girl. Have a great rest of your day. I'll talk to you soon, and I'll catch your ass down the road. Yeah.